Lone Star 187 is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case file 38, Lily and Wileen Kennedy. We're back. We're back. Hello. I'm Brittany. And I'm Carrie. And we're Lone Star 187. So, where are we this week? Well, I know we've done a little bit of time in Houston, but we're going to go back. I didn't do time in Houston. What do you mean? I've never been to the jail. I found quite a few stories in Houston. And I guess that's just where I keep getting drawn to. I don't know. It's it's, a, it's big and there's just a lot of shit that goes down there. It's it's pretty it's pretty uh, soggy there. Soggy bottom boys. Yep, that's where they're at. So we are going to the Heights neighborhood in Houston, Texas. The Heights sounds familiar. I think this the Candyman. Is that it? Yes. Is it? Yes. Oh my god! I Hold didn't on. realize that. Okay. Okay. We're. Let me take a quick. Segue. I, I can edit this out if you want me to, but the Heights, I think that's where the Candyman lived. I, I remember it being Heights, but what, did he live here during this time, maybe? Yeah, Dean Coral, writer, moved to Houston Heights. In when? For instance, from day 60, in the early 60s. Okay. This was um 84. Okay. Yes. Crazy. It triggered that memory right away. Okay. So okay. we're in the Heights again, where the Candyman was, but we're 20 years later, yeah, right? March, we're going to March 5th of 1984. 1984? Yeah. That's the year I graduated high school. That's the year before I was born. Damn. <laughs> so 63-year-old Jack Kennedy has two daughters, Lily and Wileen Kennedy, and he becomes worried about them because they haven't shown up for work. They... he. Feels worried he's, they're not answering their phones. Um, at the house, the phone's just ringing. So he's like, let me go check on them. Maybe they overslept. So he goes to the house. And when he arrives, he noticed that the front door is slightly open. So he kind of peers inside. Um, and he walks in and he finds his daughters laying next to each other. And unfortunately, they are dead and both covered in blood. Those are not mannequins. They are definitely not mannequins, but can you imagine That's finding terrible. your two daughters? Uh, Lily it was 23 and Wileen was 33, so they were 10 years apart. Aww. And they're laying side by side. Like, I'll show the diagram, but they're basically head to head and foot to foot, but they're just kind of a little bit not side by side so much, but they are next to each other. Lily, the younger one, is face down and Wileen is face up. So did they live together? They did. <clears throat> okay. So Wileen was um, partially on her side and she was um, dressed for the most part. Um, she had something shoved in her mouth and um, she had an obvious gunshot wound to her arm and several stab wounds to her throat. And Lily was fully clothed. She was laying face down with um, a bullet wound to the back of her head. Mm. And so she was the younger one, right? Correct. Okay. So Jack calls 911 and detectives escort him out of the house. And of course they said he was just in complete devastation. Not just what he saw, but understanding that they were gone and they couldn't get, it was very hard him. to get him to leave. I get you know? that. I wouldn't want to leave either. You. That might be the last time you see them. Right. So um, detectives review the scene and they start to develop some kind of theory that 
Lily looked like she had died first by an execution-style gunshot wound to the back of the head. Um, there was no other trauma to her, no defensive wounds. So they shot her in the back or they shot her in the front and it came out the back? They shot her in the back of the head okay. while she's laying face down on the ground. Okay. Shit. And Wileen suffered much more. So they feel like she was probably she was the, the target. target. Um, she was the older one of the two, um, but she was definitely most likely the, likely the target. She had the gunshot wound to the right arm and her t-shirt was pulled up uh, above her breasts mm. and her underwear was pulled down. She looked like she had been sexually assaulted and there was bruising and stab wounds around the throat. So they just felt that there was much more trauma to her. So she must have been the point of attack. And the sister only got it because maybe she just happened to be there. Yeah, wrong place, wrong time, maybe. They felt that the assailant had started attacking as soon as they entered the apartment. I'll show a picture, but they rented um, an apartment. It looked kind of like, um, it was like a carport, and then you went up some stairs um, above where the carport was, and that's where the house was. Or so the garage apartment, apartment? Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Um, and so they were laying right by that front door. So as soon as he opened it, they were right there. Oh, so okay. he... The detectives, in looking at the scene, felt like as soon as he came in, he did what he was going to do. It was a very small house, a small apartment. I think it was um, two bedrooms. And so uh, upon looking at some of the evidence around the two girls, they did see some wavy-looking patterns of blood all throughout the apartment. Like a bit from a shoe print? Yes. So they felt like this person, and it was chaos. Like there was there was blood in random places from these shoe prints. So they felt like... Like they were nervous or something? Or they or... were looking for something. Okay. Um, what didn't make sense is like the house had been searched obviously after they were dead uh, because they didn't feel like he didn't he tie them had up. had blood on his shoes. Right. Well, and he, he didn't... It didn't seem like, okay, he tied him up, went and looked for something. They, they wouldn't give him information, so he killed him. It was like he came in, killed him, and then went looking for so something. So he, he was on a mission. He knew what he was going there for. Yes, he definitely did. Lily, which was the younger one... Her purse had been emptied and strewn all around the body. So it looked like maybe after he killed them, he found her purse and just kind of dumped it. There were Q-tips and gum. You know what's in our purse. Everything. There were cigarettes. There was a lighter. Um, there's gum wrappers. There's just, it's just chaos. And you could tell it was her purse. Um, her wallet was missing and other items of value were still in there. So like her wallet was gone, but there was like some change that was still there. Um, and when they searched upstairs, oh, because I think there was like a loft area. And um, up there, Wileen's purse was found with hundreds of dollars in cash, nothing taken. Shit. And those footprints were upstairs. So, like, why did you leave that, but you took this? Or maybe he didn't look in the purse and didn't know the money was there. Was Wileen's purse poured out as well? No, it was completely untouched. So he was looking for something and he thought he knew where it was. Yeah. Right? So there was no signs of forced entry. So um, the other, besides the front door, the only other door of entry was the back door that led to the other side of the apartment and it was deadbolted still. So obviously they didn't come in through that way. Mm -hmm. So they knew that they most likely had to know the killer, right? Because they let him in. Obviously there's no signs of forced entry. One very puzzling thing is one of the couch cushions was missing from the couch. There was like hand, like a hand smear of blood Next to one cushion and the other couch cushion was So gone. maybe that he must have thought whatever it was he was looking for was potentially hidden in the couch cushion. Possibly, yes. They When they went to search the area, they did find the couch cushion about a block and a half away, just covered in blood. And around it was the footprints of the same footprints that matched the ones in the house. So around they it meaning like around the, on the top of it or like he walked around the like edges? He, 
No, not the, they were found around on the ground around oh, the cushion. Okay. So they could tell that this cushion was dropped by the same person that was in. There wasn't two people. So did it, was the cushion ripped up or anything? No. So maybe he took it because it had a lot of blood on it and then decided, fuck it, I'm just going to drop this and go slow me down. We'll see. All right. Hoping to use the wavy patterns to find out like what kind of shoe this possibly is. Um, Adidas? <laughs> I'm wait, trying to think of shoes this is, in the 80s. Yeah, because this is 84. Oh, capas. Or Asics? Maybe Asics, Jill. Yeah, because this is before Google. So I get right. Google, wavy pattern shoes. They're like, well, maybe this person lives nearby or maybe it's maybe they ran to their house. So they follow the footprints and they don't really go past the cushion. So they kind of just stop. Maybe they got in their car. The car was parked there or something. Took or somebody picked off. them up Yeah, took the shoes off. So they, they kind of... No, it doesn't there. sound like he's very cautious. So I feel like if he didn't want to leave footprints, he would have taken his shoes off early. So somebody probably picked him up. So... Um, upon looking at the scene, they do find fingerprints and semen at this at the scene. Ugh. But, of course, in the 80s, they didn't have CODIS like we do now. So all they could look at was, you know, those fingerprints and DNA somewhat that they had on file in the area. It didn't match anyone. And then the people that they brought in, they could test them. Right. So they questioned the neighbors. And one of them said, you know, Lily, the younger one, came by about 11 p.m. and asked me for an ACE bandage because she had sprained her knee. And I saw her, she was she was fine, completely fine. That was at 11 p.m. And so the dad found them early the next day because they didn't show for work. Okay. Mm-hmm. So another neighbor said, I was awakened about 6 a.m. I heard two loud thumps, but nothing after that. So I wasn't sure if maybe someone dropped something and I went back to sleep. So that's at 6 a.m. Hmm. And, then, and then where did this neighbor live? Like on one of the sides or behind um, them? They didn't say. Because if it's a garage apartment, it's behind a house. They didn't say. Okay. Another neighbor stated on the way to his car, he saw a man leaving that area after 6 a.m. And he made eye contact with him and he thought, I haven't seen him before. And he's like, hey, what are you doing? And he's like, the man's like, what, do I look suspicious to you? And the neighbor's like, yeah, yeah. you look like a burglar because he had a, a what looked like a blanket with something in it in his arm. The couch cushion? Probably. And he's like, we made eye, you know, he's like, well, frankly, I'm embarrassed. Because I had an argument with my girlfriend and she kicked me out. So I just grabbed my stuff and I'm leaving. Oh, and the neighbor's like, oh, man. Quick on his feet. Oh, man. I'm so bitch. sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. And he said and he, the man went the other direction, walking. He didn't see where he went after that. He described him as a white male, possibly Hispanic, about 5'10". So they did a composite sketch and because they made eye contact. So he had a very good idea of what he looked like. And it's in the morning. So the mm-hmm. sun's coming up. You can right. smell the sunrise. Yes. It does have a specific sunrise, yes, specific smell. So they do a composite sketch and they release it to the news. And of course, they have thousands of tips that mm-hmm. come through. So they get their first suspect. And neighbor reports that there's a drug dealer that lives about a block away that matched the composite perfectly. So they go over to talk to him. And as they're walking by his house before the front door, they see those same wavy patterns in the mud. Uh-oh. And they're like, we got close. this, we dude. got this guy. So you they, they search his apartment and they find a bunch of LSD in his freezer. Okay. They find a knife. He was a drug dealer. And so. a pistol. So they place him under arrest for the LSD. And they do a lineup and the neighbor's like, I don't see him. He's not there. That's not, none of those guys are it. So it's not him. So it's either not him or the neighbor doesn't have a very good idea of what he actually saw. Because sometimes eyewitnesses can be very not so eyewitnessy. <laughs> not so eyewitnessy. Do you hear Quote, that, people? I said that. Write that down. <laughs> Put on the record. Put on the record. And they did pull his shoes and they did have the same similar wavy pattern, but they were not identical. 
They were similar. So they weren't a match. They weren't a match. Okay. Well, so he was clear. Yep. So Lily, the younger one, had recently divorced her husband and was staying with her sister, Wileen. Okay. So they hadn't been living together for a long time. Not for very long. She was just staying there. Mm-hmm. She, she basically moved in with her to get through this divorce, as we know what that's like. Yep. So her ex-husband had, had been making some threats towards her. Son of a bitch. <laughs> and they had, she'd filed for divorce, and their divorce was final a week prior to the murders. And the reason she had moved in with Wileen was to get away from him because he didn't know where Wileen lived. Okay. So she felt safe there. They couldn't find her, and he wouldn't look for her there. So they go get her ex-husband, and they question him. And when they, when they go to get him, he's in crutches. And they're like, what happened? He's like, I just had back surgery. I had to have two vertebrates removed. Oh. So they go verify, and he had just gotten out of the hospital. So he had a really strong alibi. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're like, we don't know. I mean, he where he, he said he was at home recovering, but a man that could barely get up and down, how he could have shot a woman and attacked another as brutally as he did. And even then, Lily being his ex-wife, it would have been her. She'd have been the target. Unless he was faking. I mean, unless he faked. Yeah. But, I mean, he had major surgery. He was on the hospital confirmed. Confirmed he was there. Mm-hmm. So, so, so then they look at Wileen. And she has an ex-boyfriend named Jack. And he was on the radar due to their... Jack's the one that found them, right? No, Jack's their dad. So her dad's named Jack and, and her boyfriend's named Jack. Yeah. That's not confusing at all. Right. Exactly. Jack so, dad or Jack boyfriend? Jack BF. Okay. So he um, was on the radar because of their tumultuous relationship. No one liked him. They listened to uh, the voice message um, at the house, and they found a message that he had left where he's like, "Um, you effing bitch, you owe me some money, and I am Y back. So I'm going to come get it. And they're like, oh, all right. Maybe he did it, right? And they're like, maybe he killed Lily first. So she wouldn't stop the attack because that's her that, that's her um, big sister, mm-hmm. right? She's the one thing that happened to her big sister. So he would have killed her first and then taken care of Wileen. And because they were together, he thought he would rape her or whatever. So days leading up to the murder, Wileen had explained to Lily and some other family members that she was scared of him. But she didn't really give any details. Like, not that he threatened her too bad, but that, you know, she just got a around. bad feeling. Yeah, she just didn't really want to be <laughs> around him and explain that they had broken up. So they went and picked him up. They questioned him. And, of course, he denies any involvement. So they put him in a lineup. And he also was not chosen by the neighbor. So they're like, well. Does he have wavy shoes? No. Yeah. Do you want to do a polygraph? He's like, sure, I'll take one. And he passed. Okay. So they're like, okay, we have no physical evidence, right? His fingerprints don't match. He passed a polygraph. So. And he doesn't really have an alibi, but it doesn't matter because they can't find any other evidence. So even if he did it, he's pretty clean. So. Days turn into weeks, which turn into months, which mm. turn into years, which then turn into decades. Oh, shit. And they have no leads. Well, Wileen and Lily have a brother. And they have a their, um, their, their brother has a daughter. And she loved her aunts very much. And she was like, I will do whatever I have to to put someone to justice for killing my aunts. Because so not their parents or their son, but their niece. Well, they're... Um, um, so their dad is now gone and their mom is gone. Okay. They both died without not their son, their brother. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Not the brother, but his, his daughter is like fighting Good for, for justice. Go nieces. So 30 years go by and it's sad because both of their parents died without any, seeing without any knowing. justice being served, but they get to be with their daughters. So there's that. So the niece, the niece goes right up to the Houston police department and she said, I want to talk to whoever's in charge of the homicide department of the cold cases. 
Um, it was right after she lost her second grandparent. And she's like, this is just, this has just been too long. It's mm-hmm. just been too long. And at this point, there's CODIS. Exactly. So you might get a hit right away. Exactly. So she goes up there and she's like, you know, she, she speaks to um, Sergeant Motard. <laughs> His name is Sergeant Motard. M-O-T-A-R-D. Motard. Okay, I'm good. His name is Sergeant Motard. Don't stop saying it. <laughs> So she goes up to him and she's like, listen, she's like, you know, both my grandparents have died. So what happens now? Like, am this I going to die? This just gets away with it? Like, they took two innocent lives. For what? For what? Maybe one wallet? We don't even know what for. Exactly. I mean, there might have, I'm not saying there's ever a legitimate reason to kill somebody, but in his mind, if he found what he was looking for, then he's justified. Right. Right. And because they were the only ones that lived there, no one knows what's really missing. Right. No one knows what was taken from there. So... He's like, okay, well, we do have new technology and new advancements in testing. So let's take the sexual assault kit and let's see what we find. So they're able to make a partial male profile. They submit it to CODIS and no match found. Oh, shit. So the sergeant is like, you know, I feel like I just need to start from scratch. I need to just look at the case from the beginning mm-hmm. to now, a new set of eyes. Maybe maybe I'll find out what's going on. So he kind of focuses on the hatred for Wileen. He's like, you could just look in the pictures and see that whoever did this, like, they could care less about Lily. She was the focus. She was just, that happened because she just happened to be there. So, unless they didn't know them apart, she was the focus. So, he kind of goes after her and her past. So, he decides, I'm going to freshen up the case. I'm going to repost the sketch and the sisters to media because maybe someone now... Maybe someone is maybe they're out. not afraid to and, come forward, right. or so, maybe their children know the story and mm-hmm. are willing to come forward. Um, so he he does everything and he gets nothing, no calls, no leads, nothing. Mm. So he's like, I just need like a new clue, like if I could find a piece that maybe nobody looked into, or maybe if I were to re-interview these people, they'll remember something they didn't know then, or maybe I'll pick up on pick up on something that the previous detectives didn't. So in 2014, he gets super lucky. 2014. 2014. Wow. Yeah. So it's what? Um, 16, 30 years. 30 years. He gets a call from a defense attorney in Indiana. And he's like, hey, uh, my client was charged with an unrelated crime, but he has information about the Kennedy murders, the sisters. And but he's not going to tell you over the phone. He wants you to come to Indiana and talk right, to him. Right. Because he wants to get something out of it. And he's like, okay, I'll go. So. The sergeant goes up there and he speaks to um, this informant and he says, there's a man by the name of Edmund Deegan and he killed those two girls. He's like, okay, tell me more. Why do you know this? How do you know this? And he goes in and he said, the informant started describing what this man, had, what Edmund had told him. And he's like, it had to be the truth because some of the specifics that he was saying with it being 30 years, unless he read every newspaper clipping and even then read every police report back from the 80s. Goes back. Back then, they were pretty descriptive mm-hmm. when they put stuff in the newspaper. Yeah. They're not as much now, but we know by doing some of our research that we're like, oh my God, did they really say yeah. that? Yeah. So, so he's like, this guy has to know something, you know? So he's like, um, the man, the informant said one day back in 1984, Edmund was all amped up. He was high um, and he came to my house and he got a quilt out of the back of his car and he asked him, hey, can I borrow a hammer? Edmund and he's like sure so he gives him a hammer and Edmund pulls out a pistol and puts it on the cement and starts beating it with the hammer and while he's doing it he's making comments like 
things just went wrong. It shouldn't have gone this way. I had to kill him. I had I had no other choice. They were sisters. They died together. They weren't alone. It's just so hard to kill someone. You know how hard it is to kill someone? To just take somebody's life. It's really not that easy. A human body is a lot harder to kill than you oh, think. shit. And this guy's like, what the hell is going on? I don't want to know. La, 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 la. So behind this man's house, you know how they have those like drainage ditches that like go down and like the water and then it comes back up mm-hmm. the other side? So he's beaten this pistol and it's in all these pieces. So he picks up the pieces and he takes um, this quilt and he goes to the backyard and he starts a fire. And then he starts taking things out of the quilt and putting it in the fire. Like a woman's wallet with a license and a knife and the pieces of the pistol and other pieces of paper he just throws in there. And once it's done and smoldering, he stomps it out and then he takes the quilt and he goes back to the, the ditch area and he buries it next to the ditch, this quilt. And so the sergeant's like, uh, okay. Thank you. So he goes back to Houston and he looks up Edmund Deegan and he's not even on the suspect list. Like he was never interviewed. The name never came up. This is the first time anyone's ever hearing this hmm. name. Okay. So he looks him up and back in 1984, he has a history. He fit that pr- description perfectly. Of course he did. To the, uh, the, the sketch. sketch. So Edmund was a wholesaler of vintage clothes. And Wileen owned a vintage clothing store. Oh, shit. Then no wonder they didn't look at him. Exactly. I mean, they did business together, so. And he didn't pose any red flags. Like, imagine how many people we've worked with in the last six months. Yeah, but I would hope if something happened to me, they would go and interview everybody that, anybody that knew me. Anybody that came. I mean, every single person you work with? Well, I mean, every single person that your company does trading You better fucking figure it out. (laughs) Oh, I'll figure it out. Don't worry. I mean, nothing's going to happen to me. No. We're knocking on wood right. here. Real that's, wood. That's not, not wood. That's not wood. That is a uh, Particle rock. board. Sheetrock. <laughs> Knock right here. Oh. There you go. Anyway. So he was a wholesaler of vintage clothes. Wait, and he was a wholesaler? A wholesaler. <laughs> I had to. Oh, man. I was sad. <laughs> so. wholesaler. And he's so close to Wileen. He had a criminal history of aggravated robbery and controlled substances. So the sergeant went to the area of this man's house where the quilt had been buried and everything had been burned, but nothing was found. But as we know, in Houston, lots of flooding happened. So it's Mm -hmm. very possible. Who knows how deep he did that quilt. Or Um, maybe he went back later on after he told this person what happened. Maybe he went back and got it in the event this person ratted him out. And it's March. It could be chilly. In that area, a homeless person could have found it. We don't know. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's near a ditch. So now, 57-year-old Edmund Deegan, he's now 57, which means he was 27 when it happened. They find him in Houston, and they find him through his mother, because he didn't have a direct contact. So they find him, and they call him, and he's like, oh, yeah, sure, I'm actually remodeling this townhome for a friend. You can meet me down here, no problem. So sergeant goes down there, and he speaks to him, and he's like, oh, no. I had nothing to do with those girls being murdered. I, I mean, I heard about it on the news, but I, I was just going to admit it. Even near that area at the time of the murder. And he's like, okay, well, if you feel that way, why don't you come down and talk to me? He's like, sure, okay. So they go down, they go downtown. And so he asks them, like, did you know Eileen? He's like, oh, yeah, you know, I bought clothes and I sold them to her, but I never really had any direct contact with her. Like, she'd place the orders and I'd drop them off and they would sign for them, but I never actually saw her. And he's like, okay, have you ever slept with her? He's like, no. He's like, well, then you wouldn't mind giving me a DNA sample, right? Just a little buckle swab because mm-hmm. if you've never slept with her, your your DNA shouldn't be on her. He's like, oh, yeah, sure. He didn't really know what all that meant. 
So he agrees and he gives a sample. And the DNA analysis is a perfect match. Perfect So if you didn't sleep with her. Why is her semen? Why is her semen on you? Why is her semen on you? (laughs) I don't know. That's a really good question. That's a question I want to know. So January 14th of 2015, Edmund is arrested and charged with capital murder. No. Murder? Wholesaler murder. (laughs) January. (laughs) And not the kind that come from the Navy. No, we don't want that. January 14th of 2015, Edmund is arrested and charged with capital murder. So this is where you're going to get mad. I'm just telling you now. Okay. This is, it's not good. He gets away with it. So upon preparing for the trial, the detectives are very concerned about the lack of evidence. Wait, his DNA is on her. All they have is semen on Wileen. So? They have nothing on Lily. He already said he didn't sleep with her, so he's lying. Okay, but where's the proof? Okay, so maybe he slept with her, but there's no proof that he killed her. There was semen on her. She was raped. What if they had sex before she was killed? He said they didn't have sex. Why would he lie? Maybe Unless he's trying to cover something up. Maybe he didn't want them to know that he but had wait, sex with her. I thought there were other, weren't there fingerprints? Yeah, but they're, they're just latent. Mm-hmm. And there's okay. no, there's nothing. See where this is going. There's nothing on Lily. God damn. Right? There's no, there's no proof. Right? There's like no gun. Mm-hmm. Right? Your gun's digging and into my head. you can't even exhume the bodies because it's been 30 years and it's just probably all bones by now. So they, they the, didn't. They didn't so, trim the fingernails or any of that shit. So the detectives are like, we're going to have to give him a plea deal. Because it's better to give him a plea deal than go to trial and him be innocent. Okay, that's smart. But they can only give him a plea deal on Wileen. Lily, there's no... Mm-hmm. Right, they died two different ways. So if they justify what he did to Wileen, why did he kill Lily? What attachment did he have to her? I'm she not. I mean, we way. know, yeah. we know, but they're in a jury, there's no way to prove that. So he takes the plea deal for Wileen. It's going to get bad. During the sentencing, the niece did a victim statement. Uh, did I say statement? <laughs> During the sentencing process, the niece did a victim statement explaining how her grandfather was um, and how all of that this one decision that this man made effective, affected so many people's lives. Mm-hmm. You know, she said from the day that my grandfather found my aunt's, until the day he died, he was never the same. I'm sure. And my mom or my my grandmother did nothing but try and find justice for her daughters. That's what and my my dad was never the same. He grew up an only child. This one man's action affected so many people. I mean, she even said my other brothers and sisters never really got to know them. My kids never got to know them. And she talked about and there was an interview I watched on on the case with Nancy Zahn. Mm-hmm. She did this case, and the niece is on there. And she's like, you know, I remember. Having the coolest clothes because Wileen was a vintage wholesaler. And she's like, I would go to school and nobody had my clothes. Yeah. I had the coolest clothes. Nobody. And she let me wear whatever I wanted. And I loved spending the night with her. You know, she's like, my kids never got to know her. And they just, they were just gone. And there's no justice for them. This man affected so many more lives than just taking those two people. So um, he never really admitted whether he did it or not. And he never really said what happened. But what kind pro- of life did he have? Was he married? Did he have any children? Prosecutor theory was Edmund demanded money from Wileen for whatever reason. Maybe she owed him money for the business. Maybe he wanted her to pay more. We're not sure. But this is just their theory. He wanted money from her and she refused. So he went to her house, demanded money. And to show her how serious he was, he made Lily lay face down. 
and was like, I will shoot your sister unless you give me money. And when she didn't, he shot her. Then he attacked Wileen, um, stuffed a rag in her mouth, went to the kitchen. So this is one instance where he did use the murder weapon in the house. So he took a knife. The knife that was recovered was the knife from the house from a butcher block stabbed in the neck. So he didn't bring his own weapon. Okay. But that knife was missing from the butcher block for sure. And the, and it measured those. So that knife that was taken to his friend's house was from that butcher block. They don't have proof, but that's that's what their idea is. And then he um, looks for money in a hurry, takes the couch, couch cushion because they found out that there was a rumor going around that Wileen's ex-boyfriend Jack had stolen drugs from someone and hid it in the couch cushion. Figure there was something hidden in there. Yep. Yep. Why else would you? Why would you take, take a something cushion? like that? So he didn't want to have time to dig through it. He was just like, right. "I'll just take it with me." Right. And maybe, well, but why did it have blood all over because it? Because he was covered in blood. Oh, okay. And even though that was never true, Jack, <laughs> his her ex boyfriend Jack was never into drugs. So he went off a hunch, thinking, "I'm going to go because he." I'm going mean, to get the money, and there, it might have just been about the drugs. Right. And I can sell the drugs to someone mm-hmm. and make a bunch of money. And then, like, if it's in the couch cushion, wouldn't you take all the couch cushions? <laughs> Unless the rumor was it was in the middle one or that's whatever. True, yeah. That's the one he took, right? He took, well, there was two. Oh. And he just took one of the two. So. What a dumbass. Yeah. So they sentenced him to 15 years in jail at 60 years old, which means he can leave when he's 75. But this is where you get mad. I'm already mad. I mean, he basically well, first got of all, there's no, it. And there's no justice for Lily. Like, nobody ever mm-hmm. pays that price. And in. Similar to like the Darlie Routier case where they charge her with one in the event that that doesn't stick, then they can get her for the other. Mm-hmm. But in this situation, if he had gotten off with Wileen, they can't even charge him with Lily's because there's yeah. no there's no evidence on her. Yep. She has no DNA on her at all. So then the niece finds out that Edmund isn't even going to serve his 15 years because there is a law in Texas, which I will read to you. It is called, <laughs> for all those listening, she's shaking her head. It is called the Mandatory Release Law. Mandatory release. Shit. Shit. A legislative mandated release of a prisoner to parole supervision when the combination of actual calendar time and good conduct time equals the sentence. Good conduct time is credited to any offender for participating in work and self-improvement programs. So this was in effect from 1977 to 1987. Anyone that was convicted of a murder or homicide from 1977 to 1987 that was later convicted, they were considered under mandatory release. But the murder happened in 1984. So it's not about when you're convicted. It's when you committed the crime. Oh, my God. So because kidding me. Come on, Texas. Get your shit together. That's a bullshit law. Is it been revoked or is it still a law? I need need to look that up. So he... So it says a murder between 1977 and 1987 receives credit for good behavior and he will be released Who made that in 2021 and he will only serve six years. So next year he gets out. Is, he, where, is he in Huntsville? Uh, I don't know. Let's see where is he. We can be there that day and be flipping him off. You son bitch. That is the stupidest law. Come on, Texas. We're the fucking, we're the law. We're the state that has capital punishment. We still fry people. We still lethal inject okay. people, but old, we're gonna old Texas law to set convicted uh, all inmates convicted between the year 1977 and 1987 
will be released from prison after the number of days they have spent in jail and the number of days they have spent in good conduct equals one third of their initial sentence according to the Texas Parole Guide. That's Why? as of August 8th of 2020. So what what is what is so special about that time? I don't know if there was a bunch of wrongful convictions. I, I don't know. But that, that is that's that's Texas law. Oh my god. I have to Google how that law came into effect. What's it called? It's called uh, Texas Mandatory Law. So this says, back in 1964, a Texas man named Kenneth McDuff was convicted of 12 counts of burglary and attempted burglary. He got 12 four-year concurrent sentences. He served only a year. And Texas prisons, then as of now, were overcrowded. McDuff was paroled because of overcrowding in October of 1989. He was part of a wave of criminals released during that time because of conditions at the state lockups. More than 60,000 in all, including 20 former death row inmates and 127 convicted murderers. According to the law, any inmate convicted between 1977 and 1987 must be released within their cumulative time spent in prison combined with their good behavior. Time equals one third of their sentence. This law was changed in 1987 and violent criminals are no longer automatically set free. But those convicted before the law was changed will be. Governor Rick Perry isn't happy about it, but his hands are tied. Offender release is governed by law in effect when the offense was committed and cannot constitutionally be changed retroactively. But he didn't even serve time in those shitty prisons to allow him to even deserve that reprieve. But it says... I mean, I get it. (laughs) If the prison sucked and you're in jail for that time and... It's beyond reprehensible. It sounds like it is, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I know they're prisoners and they shouldn't be in the freaking Hilton or whatever, mm-hmm. but they should still have clean beds and, or, I mean... But they're still human beings at they the end are, of the day. Right, so they should have somewhat normal prison whatever. So he gets out next year. An interesting thing about their grave sites, the dad was so upset and he wanted to make sure that even in... He never wanted their murder to go unsolved, so he had murdered put on their tombstones. Wow. To make sure nobody forgot or nobody, that everyone knew their story. And if they saw that, they might go and read what happened to his daughters. I like that. I don't think he went in there to kill them. I think he went in there to get money or get drugs. And because he even said that, like, that's not what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want it that to happen. It wasn't supposed to go this it way. It wasn't supposed to go that way, right? Yep. And, and he was high, so it was easy to t- talk himself into it because. And clearly, he, he knew how much Lily meant to Wileen, being Lily being her, the younger sister. Clearly, that that would mean a lot to her. So if I threaten that, she's going to give me what I want. I mean, I would have been like, take whatever you want. Yeah. Just let us go. Like, we will leave. My and purse is can... upstairs with cash. Take what cash is in there. Take my cards. I don't care. Like, I won't As long as you anyone, just leave. I won't tell anyone. Just take what you want and leave. As and soon we'll as you turn your back on me, I'm knocking your ass down. I'm going to tie you up and I'm going to call the cops because I ain't letting you leave. Yeah. If you threaten my life and my sister's life, you're going if down. you think you're going out the door and going to potentially come back another time, maybe you're should, wrong. Maybe you shouldn't say this. No. I said it. Write it down. Put it on the record. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't, because then when we're, if we're in a situation and we're like, no, 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 listen, listen, you can just have whatever you want. They'll be like, no, listen to your podcast, you're lying. You're lying. You're lying. I didn't know you are Shut up, you're lying. Okay, ask me. Ask me. (laughs) I won't let her, I won't let her do anything to you, I promise. You can tie her up. You and I can leave town, let's tie her up. So yeah, it's super sad. 23 and 33. 23 and 33. But I have to say, at least they didn't die alone. At least they were together, and they're in heaven together, and now they're with their mom and dad, and, and their, poor, their niece helped get help bring some justice. I mean, he is in jail, and maybe until next year. Well, maybe when he gets out, some kind of karma will take care of 
you so his right. situation. That's so Mark W. Styles unit, Beaumont, so Texas. He's not in Huntsville. How did he escape Huntsville? Probably because probably he only got six years. And and he's he's doesn't have federal charges. And well, he and he's well, he has federal charges, but he um, he's in that that time where he gets reprieve. Such bullshit. So he's not even in the federal penitentiary. So what is that? That's just a correctional facility? Um, it's Correctional Institutions yeah. Division. Department of Criminal Justice. That ain't no damn justice. So that is the unfortunate story of Wileen and Lily Kennedy, the two sisters that unfortunately lost their lives together. Rest in peace, Lily and Wileen. Yes. And I... Rod in hell, Edmund Beauregard whatever the fuck your last name is. I don't care to commit it to memory. I hope your penis falls off. Lord and Jesus, let his penis fall off. <laughs> yes, I am praying for you to drop a guy's penis off his body. At but 60, I feel like we're justified. At 66, it probably doesn't work. I don't know. He's in prison. Oh, he's in a unit. He is a unit. <laughs> so I chose this one because it's about two sisters. Girl. Right here. I love right here. you. I love you too. And I feel sorry for anybody that tries to come at us. Oh man, it's a bad day for you. You ain't gonna, you ain't gonna be so good. Be a- now I'm not challenging anyone. Let's get that straight. Oh no, no, no. But if we were ever in a position where we would have to protect one another, it would not be good for you. No. So just don't do it. Just yeah. don't. Just leave us alone. It's just not good for you. Let us or have any- our family and our crime podcasts and just live our life. We're just trying to live our life. Yeah, we're trying to do podcasts, not be a podcast. That's right. So. Okay, well, that was a good one, and yeah. you're right. It pissed me off. I knew it would. when I was when I was typing. I was like, "Ooh, sister's gonna be so mad," because I was getting mad. And I'm like, "Are it's... you freaking kidding me? Like, this niece has spent her whole life mm-hmm. since she was little fighting for justice, and then she has to go tell them, hey, what's the status well, of of my aunts?'" I'm glad you brought that up. I was gonna comment on that when you said it. I I do think it's really sad that the families have to keep the cases alive. Mm-hmm. But I mean, think about how many cases there are. Well, and, and if there's no one to fight and remind you then to that their dad's point of putting murder murdered on their on their tombstone, those officers have so many cases unfortunately. Well, and take the our last story where there was a massacre. I mean, those policemen can't take the time to go look for your ants that were killed 30 years ago i'm sorry we just had eight lives taken that we gotta figure this is happening right now Mm -hmm. and you're one person and we have like 30 people coming at us for these eight people yeah so i'm sure especially in houston look at the stories we've Mm -hmm. done in houston their attention was elsewhere in the now you know and it's gone cold for 30 years not that their lives are any less important but if there's no one there to rally mm -hmm. if there's no one in your family like her niece their niece to say hey this is still important to someone Mm -hmm. then what else are the unless you have a cop that's new that's like you know what i'm just gonna work on cold cases let me just go pick this one off and do Mm -hmm. it because that's what happens right that's Mm -hmm. what's what's crazy is even if she hadn't gone let's say she hadn't gone up there he still would have received that call because that call wasn't prompted for any work that he did that call was prompted because of what that informant told his attorney. He was the informant in jail? He had been arrested on so an unrelated crime. So the informant crime. was probably hoping that giving that information would give him some kind of exactly credit due. So you're right. It wasn't. It wasn't had nothing to do with what the detective was working on. It was just like the sisters were like, 
Let me just give him a little nugget over here. So <laughs> let's just go put some. Let's just go help our niece. Let's just go put some weed in his pocket so he's arrested, so he can yeah. finally give up the secret that he's been holding on to for thirty years. I believe the dead sometimes give you hints. Like, oh, absolutely, this is where we need. This absolutely. Is where we need to go. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that was a good one. So yes, rest in peace, Wileen and Lily Kennedy. Yes, rest in peace. And thank you guys for your support, sharing, following. Stickering, <laughs> vandalizing, you know, whatever you call going it. Going <laughs> on our adventures with us and being so supportive. We love you guys. Yes, very That's much a, so. It's a wrap. Till next time. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all.